I think what I love about freediving is how accessible it is, how easy it is to get people to fall in love with the ocean on one single breath of air. This is Hanley Prinsloo. You have this one bit of breath that is your currency to life and you hold it out to the ocean and you let her open your eyes and show her her magic and all in this one bit of breath and it feels like eternity. And then you get back to the surface and you realize that it might have only been 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. And you just think, how is it that time can be so wide and vast and unbounded the deeper you go? And you kind of return and you think, I have to go back. And this is Zandi Lendlovo. They are free divers. Their love of being underwater has inspired them to create powerful projects involving coastal communities. But more about that later. First, let's get back in the sea. The ocean itself, when you dive down, is not a quiet place. It is a beautifully loud place. You know, the fish talk to each other, interestingly, more in the morning than in the afternoon. The coral is making its own creaking sound. The lobsters are snapping. I mean, there's so much. There's like an orchestra of sound underwater. But I feel like the sound of the ocean when we're down underwater in the quiet of ourselves on one breath, you actually start hearing the actual sounds of life and the rhythm of life. And you get invited into something so much better bigger than yourself and it has been and I've said it as well you know it's like being back in the womb we were diving and you hear nothing like just for the first little bit and then once you equalize it's like this little secret language and before you know it you can hear everything you know the coral the fish the whales just everything there's a place where you explode that's my word for it there's a place where you just explode and you become every single part of the ocean and in becoming every single part of the ocean you realize that we are infinite beings we are more than our bodies we are more than everything that we ever thought we knew Zandile and Hanli believe water can heal and free diving can transform people's lives. Zandile is the founder of the Black Mermaid Foundation and Hanli is the founder of the I Am Water Foundation. Both projects aim to get a diverse group of young people from underserved low-income communities involved in the ocean, swimming, diving and connecting. podcast is brought to you by Jojo, a proud supporter of South Africa's water activists and a proud supplier of water solutions for a better quality of life. By protecting our most precious resource, Jojo's quality products help to safeguard the well-being of people, communities and the environment. Please enjoy today's episode, a celebration of all things water and the people working tirelessly to protect it. This is For Water For Life, the podcast series that tells the extraordinary stories of ordinary people who've made it their life's mission to preserve, purify and protect the water supply where we live in South Africa. I'm Gugule Tumshongo. And I'm Michelle Constant. Welcome to our series. Today we're finding out more about Hanli and Zandile's grand passion, free diving. That is, diving without any equipment and just breathing with your lungs.
So for those who haven't heard about freediving, it's the sport or just the activity of diving as deep as far or as long as possible on one single breath of air. In competitive freediving, you've got a bunch of different disciplines where you either swim as far as possible in a swimming pool, hold your breath for as long as possible floating still, or my very favorite, diving as deep as possible on one breath of air. Hunley uses the term mammalian dive response to describe the human body's ancient responses to free diving. I think one of the most powerful realizations when we start a journey into the ocean on one breath is that the human body is adapted in the same way on a deep physiological level to being underwater as that of whales and dolphins and seals and other breathing mammals who dive. And we know that the whales are the greatest, deepest divers. They can hold their breath for incredibly long. Sperm whales can dive up to three kilometers deep and hold their breath for over an hour. And this is all possible because of the mammalian dive response. And our small, beautiful little human bodies have the same reaction to being underwater on one breath. And what happens is as soon as your face touches the water, your heart rate slows down. This is called bradycardia, brady slowing down cardio of the heart rate, that your body immediately realizes, I'm in water, I know this, I remember this, I must conserve oxygen, and the heart rate slows down. For her, our ancient relationship with water comes into play. And then as we continue to hold our breath and the oxygen in our body is used and the carbon dioxide levels rise, your body steps into the next phase, redirecting the blood flow from the extremities to the core. This is called vasoconstriction. Once again, conserving oxygen, conserving this limited resource as the body goes deeper and deeper into the ocean and the body becomes more and more like a whale or a dolphin or a seal. And then finally, our spleen which is a lesser known low glory organ. Nobody ever speaks or writes about the spleen. It's all about the heart and the brain and the lungs. But your spleen constricts to up to half its original size and releases oxygen-rich hemoglobin that's stored in the spleen into the blood flow to enable this exploration and this full transformation into diving mammal. We know that 60% of our body consists of water and that 70% of the earth consists of water. So the mammalian dive response is this deep-seated aquatic adaptation we have from a time we've spent more in water and near water. Personally, some of my most life-changing and transformational experiences I've had in the ocean has been with these deep divers. I've spent hours and hours with huge pods of sperm whales that have greeted me and befriended me and clicked at me and scanned my body the way they scan the great depths and found me pleasing. <laughs> so they've spent time with me in water. I've had the same with humpback whales bringing their calves to visit and to play. And every single one of these experiences just deepens that understanding of what my body can be in water and deepens my, I guess, desire to see others experience this beauty, whether it's in themselves or in the ocean. And I think, yeah, the whales and dolphins are a reminder of what, what is in us. Of course, today there's a dark side to this. The beauty of the experience is marred by the diver's recognition of what is happening to our oceans, our reefs and our ocean creatures. I see fishing hooks in sharks' mouths 
I see fishing line that is wrapped around seals. I see the same line hook around corals. And you just wonder how it is that as humans, for all the intelligence we are, how are we not managing to keep our world outside of these beautiful oceans? And so for me, in every single moment, it's just the realization and the question of how do we do better as humanity? I've unfortunately, yes, been able to see change in places that I visited often. I've seen species diminish. I've seen corals recede. I've been swimming in oceans that used to be pristine where I now swim with a bag to collect the plastic I find in the ocean. I have gone back to places to visit ocean friends I know who aren't there anymore, certain species. So even though I would consider myself not to have been <laughs> around for that long, unfortunately, in my lifetime, going back to certain places up to 20 years ago, I can track change and see that that change is happening. This passion for the ocean and its future is what led Zandile to establish the Black Mermaid Foundation. She wanted to offer young people a new experience of Mother Earth. For me, it was just realizing I come from Soweto and I've always lived in a landlocked area. The idea that anything existed outside of the stories that we grow up with was something incredibly wild. Just to witness fish, as I see with even my own kids, when they look beneath the water and they're just like, oh my word, it's a fish. And I'm like, yes. And it's just a reminder that these little things that seem so obvious are so far from obvious. She believes that the joy that young people experience when they discover the ocean is the first step towards conserving it. I often say that our first thing is not beach cleans. I want the kids, like I experienced the ocean at 28 years old. I want them to experience it earlier. But when they experience it, I don't want them to hold the responsibility of the world again. I want them to be children. I want them to explore without anyone holding a ticket to say, I've made this available to you, so now you must, you know, do this. I want them to be like children. I want them to access that water, explore it and fall in love with it. When it comes to the climate crisis, Zandile also believes individuals like you and me can make a difference. So for me, it's just, I think it's a big piece of work where all of us are doing small parts that are leading towards the greater question of what does conservation look like, who does it look like and who shows up for it and how do we show up for it. Mine, it's to create that first experience or the second experience, but create a safe space for the exploration that makes local ocean-facing communities that are black and brown believe that these oceans belong to them too. And when you believe that you belong somewhere, you will fight for that space. Which is not to say that the climate crisis is being ignored. And the kids, when they come on my excursions, they completely know what are the challenges that are facing the ocean. We educate on that, but I, I want to trust them to find their journey. I want them to explore these oceans many more times and find their way on how they bring change. I think it's a large and it's a vast world, but I would never be the first one to try and impose anything. You know, already ocean conservation is such a privileged departure point to be at. You know, I always say we are Africa battling with African problems of, you know, bread and butter issues. And so how do you ask people to care for the ocean when they don't know what they're going to eat for dinner? 
So it's a continuous space that says, what does it mean to hold space? What does it mean to create safe space for exploration while creating this needed representation? And in time, it will show and it will speak in itself. And we need to allow this for them as everyone else has had the opportunity to find it for themselves. Then a competitor freediver, Hanli started her foundation after contemplating how few people had access to the experiences she was having. I started Iron Water in, in 2010 when I was kind of at the peak of my freediving career after having had the opportunity to really travel and compete and explore some phenomenal ocean spaces. Coming home to South Africa, every single time I came back, I was just so devastated to see how the access to the ocean was still the same as to when I was <laughs> growing up in the 80s and how absolutely unacceptable that is, that I could go down to, you know, the tip of the Cape Peninsula and get in the water and snorkel so easily off the rocks. And the only people I see doing that makes me feel like I'm still in the 80s. Much like Sandile, Hanley strives to support access to nature for all young people. So, yeah, I'm Water really at its heart is an opportunity to create ocean experiences for children from under-resourced communities and often very dense under-resourced communities where we're not just talking a lack of ocean access, we're talking a lack of wilderness or nature access. Hanley stresses how challenging it can be to run a not-for-profit, but she says I Am Water is starting to see real successes after a decade. And our Ocean Guardians workshops, where we work for two days with a group of grade seven students, has now become so ingrained in the communities around Cape Town, Kailicha, Mitchell's Plain, Masipumalele, Ocean View, that we've now recently signed a memorandum of understanding with the Department of Education that our workshops have actually been endorsed by the department and schools are now expected to let the kids come on this experience. And that's really been for us a big turning point to be able to really see that all the children we want to work with get the opportunity to come. So often when we work with nonprofits who work outside of school time, the first thing that happens is you lose the girls because the girls are, you know, expected to help in the home and are nurturing and helping with siblings. And if we work in school time, then we make sure that we're getting the girls in the ocean as well. And we can work with groups of over 70 children at a time. Whole grade seven groups come to the beach. Our coaches meet them introduce them to the ocean. We do very structured experiences around snorkeling and self-exploration, rock pool exploration, nature immersion, mindfulness and breathing and yoga so that these days they get to spend on the beach, they really step away from everything they've known a day to look like and everything they've known to be expected of them. And you know, they can arrive on the beach with great fear. As both the women describe their projects, what's clear is the need for the passion for our ocean, our environment, our water, in order to scale and to grow across generations. And so the whole idea is we hold out this big dream out into the world and we hope that people rally around this dream and that's how we multiply. And as the people hold on to our dream, the dream becomes 10 and then 1,000 and then a million. And that's just when you realize that at each and every moment we have a responsibility to, to share, be it if it's the knowledge that we have, be it if it's the passion that we have, be it if it's just to remind the little ones that they are the future presidents and they are the future policymakers. 
Yeah, I think that if we were to presume that the well-being of the oceans is somebody else's problem or something that needs to be solved by someone else, or maybe think that, oh, it's not really that important, you know, it's so big, it's so vast, how can it possibly be at risk? We go down a very, very dangerous path that is very untrue. In diving the oceans, both Zandile and Hanli recognize that the ocean provides us with oxygen, with food, with water, and that it is our planet's major resource. I think one of the things that becomes a deep personal experience when you work with your breath and you work with something like freediving is realizing that more than 50% of the oxygen we breathe comes from the ocean. You realize, oh my gosh, that means that every second breath I take comes from the ocean. Now imagine every second breath you take being taken away. We won't last very long on this planet. All the water we drink, all our waterways, the rain we get, I mean, we just watch this beautiful water fall from the sky and take it for granted and just wash it run into gutters, wash it, see it run away and not protect it. And I think that's, again, quite a arrogant way of looking at this resource. And again, the ocean drives the water cycle. Without the ocean, we don't have rain. Without the ocean, we don't have rivers. Without the ocean, our planet becomes inhospitable. I think that's what gets us up in the morning every day is that, you know, we live on a blue planet. We speak of it as planet Earth, but it should always have been called planet ocean because these oceans unite the places where the land touches the sea. And when I get in the ocean here, I share it with all humanity who is breathing the air and drinking the water and maybe tipping, dipping a toe into the ocean. So it is our great uniter and together we share this incredible responsibility to protect it. healthy water in the rivers and dams in and around our towns and cities is absolutely vital to the health of our communities. We want healthy people in South Africa. We have to look after the water. And to look after the water, we've got to have lots of people out there being the eyes and ears of the water for us, looking after it. These eyes and ears of the water are known as EnviroChamps, a group of paid citizen scientists employed by an organization called the Duzi Mgeni Conservation Trust. The idea of the EnviroChamps was started in about 2010 by a colleague of ours called Mdoom Chunu. He was a vibrant young man that had this idea that why can't people that are living in the communities be the eyes and ears of the environment? And then to work with Uzama in Varocham, it's nice to work with them because we, we learn, I learn about um, the importance of the environment in our life. And then I learn a lot. In our next episode, Liz Taylor and Nompumalelo Bengu discuss the positive impact that the Duzi Amgeni Conservation Trust and the EnviroChamps are having on a small town on South Africa's coastal KwaZulu-Natal province. I'm Michelle Constant. And I'm Kukule Tumflungo. Thank you for listening. All our podcasts are available at jojo.co.za. The series was made possible because of Jojo for Water for Life. Find us on social media at For Water for Life and share your water stories using the hashtag Listen to the Water. Because if you do, it can change your life.
from the Jojo family to yours. We hope you enjoyed this episode of For Water, For Life. Whether you're looking for top quality storage tanks, water filters or other water solutions, Jojo has the product ideal for you. Discover our range at jojo.co.za and find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram for all the latest product news and water-related content.